Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. There we are. Good morning, everyone. You could turn me down because I promise I'll probably yell today, so just <laughs> ease that out a little bit. Maybe good morning, everybody. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Good, man. I just want to say thank you so much, sound guys back there, because uh, we had a little incident last week, Sunday, and uh, somebody got in and messed up with the board. So you guys did a tremendous job working it all out. So thank you. Can we give them a hand for a sec? Like, that soundboard is a big deal. It's like you drive a, you know, a, a Fiat, and then we upgraded to a Ferrari. So understanding the difference is a pretty big deal. So you guys did an awesome job with that as well. Do I need to move to the handheld, guys? Is that easier or are we okay? We're okay. Okay, I'll just keep talking. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Um, do I sound okay? I sound like a, a little bit more feminine than I normally do. Is that... <laughs> Might be the tight pants. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> Okay, we figured it out. Oh, man, we started early already on this. Leave me alone, man. <laughs> you should see the texts and the messages that I got this past week. Woo, I tell you. Man, you guys were paying attention about tight pants last week. But forgot everything else we talked about, but you sure remember that. <laughs> no, we're so glad that you came out this morning. Man, we're thrilled to have you. And uh, this morning, we're going to just dive deeper into God's love for us. Uh, this is our root. So if you got your Bibles, let's go to 2 Timothy again. Chapter 2. And I'm going to just keep bringing this up because this is the, the series that we are on is God gave us two words for this year. And what are those two words? Dig deep. Everybody say it with me. Dig deep. We ain't going shallow, right? We're going deeper. And this is the, you know, when God gives you a word, when God tells us something, it means there's also a grace or an ability to do it as well. Did you know that? Right? And I love that every time, everything you see in the word of God that he tells you, us, you know, it says, for example, love one another. He gives you the ability to do that. You're not left in your own to try to figure this out. And so when God tells us these two words, dig deep, it means he also is going to give us the tools. He's also going to show us the how abouts. He's also going to empower you to do it to completion so that you're able to dig deep and move forward and enjoy everything that he's got planned for you. So in uh, the whole reason, again, why we are digging deep, I want to reiterate this because just so you know why this is a big deal to us. Number one reason why we are digging deep is to make sure that our lives are built on a solid foundation. Everybody say solid foundation. We need a solid foundation to build on. And so why do that? So that when the trials and the testings and the, you know, the problems of this life come, not if they come, it's when they come, we're not going to be falling off the wayside on it. Right? God never created you and I that ought to be on this earth. And we know there's, a, there's an enemy out there and he's trying to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's trying to take you out. But how many know that we can live an unshakable, unmovable life? Man, thank you, Jesus. He provided that for you and I. So now we just got to follow the way that he laid it out for us to live that life. Right? So that's the first reason. We're digging deep. So we have a solid foundation. Secondly, what does digging deep mean? It simply means is that we are making ourselves available to God. That when he opens up his word and reveals truth to us, we are open to change. Right? Everybody say, I'm open to change. 
All right, that's what we're doing this morning, is we're opening up ourselves to change. It may be a different mindset. It may be something that we believed for years about ourselves, or we believed about him that we didn't even really realize, and it was just how I grew up, and this is just what happened to me. So my experiences are defining who God is, when in fact we have to let God define who he is and what he says. So this is what we're doing, is we're saying, God, open up your word to us. We want to see it for what it is, and guess who needs to change? It's either me or him. Who needs to change? Me. I'm going to have to make the adjustments. When he reveals truth, it's my job to now make the necessary adjustments so that I start living like him. Right? So this is a question we've asked. This is why we're digging deep. Do you think like God? What I think is amazing is you can. Right? We, a lot of times you read that scripture in Isaiah, you know, his thoughts are so much higher. His ways are so much higher. And people kind of go, oh man, I just, God's thoughts are way higher than my thoughts. Yeah, that's true. But he didn't just leave you out of it. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, he says that you now have the mind of Christ. So his thoughts he wants to give to you. That is good news. God wants you to think like him. Wow. Man, like, thank you, Lord. And the good news with all that is, is when you start thinking like God, you start seeing the supernatural operating in your life on a regular basis, rather than you and I looking from miracle to miracle and some divine intervention to finally come and fix this situation and fix that situation. It's like God's putting out fires in people's life constantly. That's not what he wanted, intended for your life to be. He intended your life to live the supernatural life. How? By thinking like him. Man, I think that's amazing. And that's the call that you and I have on our life is to think just like Jesus. You know, he said this over in the Gospels. He always said, he said that the, um, that the student is not above the teacher, but that the teacher, when he becomes, or sorry, when the student becomes fully trained, will become just like the teacher. So what is the cap for you in my life? It's Jesus. Jesus is the cap. Aren't you thankful for that? So a lot of times people look at, oh, I got, a, I got big shoes to fill in my family. You know, my dad did this. My mom was like this. I got to, I could just be just like them. Don't limit yourself. And I don't mean that in a negative way. My mom's sitting right here and she's like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> no, they got big shoes. What I'm saying is, is I'm saying Jesus is the standard. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm supposed to be like him. I'm supposed to look like him, do everything that he did. I'm capable of doing that. And so are you. Whoop, whoop. That's good news. Right? That right there is the only reason why you should come to church this morning. Right? Just hearing that part right there. It'll get you excited and you can go home for the rest of the week. All right. See you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> okay. So that's why we're doing it. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the, the last reason I want to make mention, we're digging deep, yes, for ourselves to get rooted, yes, to experiencing the goodness of God and all that he has for you in my life. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that we understand this, that we are digging deep for the reason that we can make a greater impact with other people. Did you know that God is in the people business? This is what, you know, if you want to hear what God's heartbeat is, this was a few years ago now, and I was just, you know, seeking the Lord, just spending some time with him, and I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 2, and the Lord said, do you want to know what my heartbeat is? I said, yes, I do. And he just said, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2. So I just ran right into it, and it says, you know, to pray for all those that are in authority, pray for, you know, the kings and, you know, government officials and all that. And then he says, because God's will is that all men to be saved. This is his heartbeat. He loves people. No matter how messed up society is out there, he loves people. And the reason why we're digging deep is so we're going to see it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, you guys can go right to verse 20. But we're digging deep so that we can be a vessel, we can be a container that God himself can use to reach a person. 
Think about that for a moment. God is going to use you and me. I know you know this, but he wants to use you in your workplace to reach that person who seems unreachable. How else is God going to do it? He's he's decided not to open up the heavens and go, hey, y'all, it's me. I'm actually God. He chose not to do it that way. Why? Because then it doesn't require faith. But he has now delegated that responsibility as ministers to now reach people with his gospel. Man, angels don't even do it. We do it. People do it. So this is why we're digging deep. And I love this in the message Bible. So that's why I encourage you. I'm, I'm going to keep reading this and we're going to read it till we see it. He says, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but there are waste cans and compost buckets. So you can see all in God's kingdom, you got two types of units here. You got the crystal goblets and you got the compost buckets, right? He goes on to say some containers are used to serve fine meals. He says others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container that God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. So why are we digging deep? So we can be a container that God can use to present any and every kind of gift to guests for their blessing. What are we here for? I'm here to be a blessing to you, not a hindrance, not a pain in your butt. I'm here to be a blessing. And this is why I'm digging deep for my own personal life. I'm going in this, Lord, I want to be, I want to be used by you in a greater way. What does it require? Lord, I want to go deep in this with you. Take me deeper so that my reach can go further. And this is what God's doing with us. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Okay. All right. So that's what we're doing. This is living. So what kind of life did Jesus come to give us again? Abundant. Let's look at it. John 10, 10 in the Passion Bible. John 10, 10, it says a thief has only one thing in mind. Everybody say one thing in mind. This is what's on his mind every moment of every day. This is his thinking process. This is what's on his mind. If you want to know what's the devil thinking about today, not that anybody cares what he's thinking about, but I wonder what he's thinking about today. This is what he's thinking. He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter. He wants to destroy. This is all that he's thinking. And you know what's interesting is he can't just come in and do it. He has to be given access to it. Right? The same way, now look on the other end. Jesus said, but I have come to give you everything what? Come on, say it louder. Everything in what? In abundance. What is abundance? Too much. Too much. Kind of like what Jamie was just saying. He's a too much God. He's overwhelming. He came to give you everything, not just a few things, not just the little things that are a big deal, everything in abundance. That means your sock and underwear drawer. Let's have it in abundance. Anybody got a rotation going on? Yeah, I got a rotation. I got a few holes in mine. I need some new underwear. Everything in abundance. It's from the tight pants. <laughs> All right. <laughs> move on, move on. Everything in abundance. And then he goes on to say, more than you expect. So let me encourage you, get your expectation up a little bit more, and then he'll even top that. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Now notice it doesn't have a name in the word you. This is going out to anybody. Anybody can have this life. But again, Jesus just can't come in and give you the life that's over and above. He needs access into it. He needs the access point. So again, I want to ask this question. How does the devil 
do this. How does the devil steal, slaughter, destroy? How does he do that? And at the same time, how does Jesus give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, until it overflows? How does he do that? Ready for the answer? It's really simple. Thinking. It's my thought process. Because look at this. I want to show you just a couple of verses in, this, in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. The Apostle Paul, near the end of this book, he talks to, to this Ephesians church, the Ephes, church in Ephesus, and he's relaying to them and he's talking about the whole armor of God here. But he says, now put on this whole armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the... Say it again. Strategies. What do you strategize? What, what, what is a strategy? It's ways, plans, schemes, right? I mean, I got a strategy in Monopoly. It seems to work every single time because I can't lose. So I'm going to just keep doing it. Am I right? No, okay, we'll keep that down. But I got a strategy. You know, Mr. Hubschman actually taught me this. You, uh, you buy low and you sell high, right? That's, isn't that the key to success? Buy low, sell high. Well, it works in Monopoly, right? Somebody wants to sell me one of those or, you know, want to buy one of those railroads off me. I bought it for 200 and I'll sell it to you for 750 Fine. Well, okay. Before you know it, I own everything. <laughs> so if you want to play Monopoly against me, just let me know. I got a, I got a good tactic. But we're going to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. What's his strategies? And I want to show you the second Corinthians chapter four, verse three and four. So this is Paul now. He's talking about the gospel message It's if it's veiled. So he's talking about when I communicate, when I preach the gospel message, it is veiled, but it is only veiled to those who are perishing because, verse 4, it says their minds, we say their minds, their minds, their minds, their minds. What's holding people back? It's their minds. What's holding people back from entering the kingdom of God? It's a mind, there's a blockage, there's something wrong missing there. Their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. Other translations of you, the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? Satan. He's the God of this world. Oh, I thought God, you know, Jehovah, Jesus was in charge of this world. No, if he was, we wouldn't be going through everything that you're seeing here. The God that I know, if he's in charge, that's what heaven is. It's perfect. There's nothing missing, nothing broken in heaven. So he's the God of this age. And look at this. He leaves them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. So what does he do? He comes in with all these different thoughts. And if you look out into society today, how many different thoughts do you see out there regarding God, regarding, you know, this afterlife? People have got the most messed up ideas about afterlife. <laughs> you can talk to them, oh, I'm an, an agnostic, oh, I'm an atheist. And like, they're proud about it. No, you, you're just ignorant. Like, that's, that's what it is. That's, they're blinded. They don't see it, right? But all these different thoughts, you can see the enemy is craftily working through this whole entire world talking about, oh, I believe that I'm going to be a tree in the next life. Well, that's really unfortunate, <laughs> right? That's not a good place to be. <laughs> I'm thankful that we can know this. And how come you and I know that there is a heaven that you and I are going to be a part of? Because our minds aren't blinded. We've seen the truth and we embraced it. And what happens? More light is given. But again, it all happens with the thought. Now, on the same way, so the enemy just gives a thought, which eventually leads to a mindset. 
People got certain mindsets. And where did it come from? That's what I want to do is I want to challenge your mindsets. Why do you believe what you believe? Who told you some of that stuff? Right in the Garden of Eden. All of a sudden when, you know, Adam and Eve, they fell, they sinned, they ate from the forbidden fruit. And all of a sudden they hid themselves and God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam's response was, I was afraid, so I hid myself because I was naked. And what was God's question? Who told you that you're naked? Who told you that you got to stay sick? Who told you that you got to be broke? Who told you that this is the way that marriage just is? It's going to be rough and tough. And who says that the teenage years have to be tough? Who told you this stuff? Because somebody's feeding it. Somebody's hearing it. And what do we do? We just tend to kind of go with it. And what's going to happen? The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. How does he come in? Through a thought. Through an absolute tiny, itty-bitty little thought. And once it's entertained, once it's picked up and grasped, all of a sudden it becomes a mindset. And therefore now this becomes the way I live. It becomes the way I think. It becomes the way I talk. And the result is, it's my life. Here it is. But on the other side, on the contrary, the abundant life is available for you and I. How does that come? Through thinking. Romans chapter 12, 2, very familiar verse of scripture. Let me read it to you. It says, don't copy. Everybody say, don't copy. So what you see out there, I ain't copying that. <laughs> They're nuts out there. I ain't going near that. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God. Everybody say, let God. Notice it doesn't say God's going to come in and just barge and tell you what to think and how to act. It says, let God transform you. How? By, by prayer and fasting. No, by, you know, coming to church every single week and going to every Bible study that I could possibly get into. No, that's all great. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. How is he going to transform you into a new person? By changing. Everybody say changing. You can change if you want. You can changing. How what? The way you, me, think. This is how God's going to get access to you, is by changing the way you think. What separates, you know, somebody that's a believer maybe here and experiencing a certain amount of blessing in their life, and we can look at other men and women of God that have gotten to this level. What's the difference? Does God play favorites with some other people that live in, you know, in different parts of the world? No. What's the difference? The way they think. Their mind has been renewed so much to the word that God has access to get more to them. That's all that it is. So rather than bashing all the planes and all the nice stuff they got, change your thinking. <gasps> Mic drop right there. Boom. Because what, what do people right away do? Oh, they shouldn't have it. And they start criticizing the very things that they want. They're just mad because they don't got it. Well, hey, God would give it to you. Is God a respecter of people? No, he'd give it to you. But what's the, what's the blockage? The way you think. <laughs> Oh, this isn't my message, but I hope you're, you know, enjoy it. It's, it's changing the way that you and I think. So this is how God is going to transform us. This is how we're going to get deeper is by allowing him to change the way that we think so that he's got, and then it actually goes on to say, then you will learn. Then you will learn. Then you will learn. Say it with me. Then you will learn. What will I learn? I'm going to learn to know God's will for me. What is good what is pleasing and perfect. You're going to see how amazing this God is the more that your mind's renewed. People that think that God is miserable and angry and just ready to beat the snot out of you, their mind is not renewed with how good he is. 
Oh man, I, I really like Jesus. He's, he's amazing. So your thinking is a product of who you're spending time with. You know, I used this illustration yesterday and it kind of just coming back up. So I'll mention it again today. But uh, yesterday I was just playing outside some soccer with my boys for a little bit. And uh, I noticed like we got no trees in our backyard because uh, we're in a newly developed area. It's not that I'm against planting trees. We just, there's a new back area. If I put a tree in my backyard, I basically have no backyard. <laughs> but our neighbor put, he's got like right along our fence, he's got three really nice tall trees. And I noticed when I was playing soccer yesterday, I'm like, Now, who's responsible to rake this stuff up? This is a fair question, right? Who's going to do this? So yeah, I can knock on his door and say, excuse me, your leaves have come onto my lawn and you, you got some work to do. Here, you know, here's a rake and have at it. But I mean, I'll do it, but I, <laughs> no, no big deal. But I just got me thinking, you know, who I'm bordering beside, who I'm spending the most of my time with, their leaves are just going to come over into your lawn. So no matter who you're hanging around with, their leaves are being shed all over you, whether you realize it or not. You're covered in leaves when it's either the world or it's with God. Nobody had an original thought to begin with. You're not that smart. I'm not that smart to have an original thought. Our thoughts are either being dictated by the enemy or they're being dictated by Jesus. So who you spend in time with more? CNN or the Word of God? You know what the Facebook's got to say? The high thought of today or the Word of God? Because I'm telling you this, it, it makes a big difference who's shedding their leaves in your, tr- in your yard, right? I want the right leaves in my yard. <laughs> I want Jesus' leaves in my yard. Okay. So how do I, again, experience the life Jesus came to purchase for me? It's word, spending time getting his thoughts in me. So through this relationship, he will teach me the ways of life. The problems in life aren't always the devil's fault. Did you know that? We give the devil way too much credit for things because he really is a loser. He's defeated. But a lot of times, and I want to just bring this up again. A lot of times we think, you know, problems are, you know, the devil's doing this. You know what? I want to just submit this to you that a lot of problems that people may be having in their life is simply because they have refused to do things the way that God created and intended it to be. Example. Can I just give you an example? We okay this morning? Let me just, yeah. Let me give you an example. Just talking about marriage and common law. Right? You, you kind of talk with people and they go, oh yeah, we're believers, but we're going to just live together. Right? We're, we both love Jesus with the intention of getting married. Okay. Now, you know what gets dangerous in the times that we get in? What the devil's trying to do, and he's trying to normalize things. Do you know how normal it is now for somebody to say, I'm gay? Oh, I'm gay. And we just go, oh, good for you. Do you see how he normalizes it? Meanwhile, it's a complete trap. Don't think of the person. Think of where the thought comes from. Who's feeding these thoughts constantly? Right? I'm not here here to start a debate. I'm just trying to show you a lot of times in life what it could be is our own thinking that goes against what God said. I remember talking with a couple that, you know, they were living together. They They were Christians. And all of a sudden, they're starting to have some problems in their life. Huh. I wonder what that could be. Right? And they think, well, she's the problem. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's the problem. Yeah, probably. But, <laughs> but you start scratching and sniffing a little bit further. You find out that they're going against the way God had created life to flow. There was a certain flow for living. And the reason why he did this is so that you and I can enjoy the blessings. 
right? So what did he do? He called men, man, to leave mommy and daddy's house. That's another problem right there. <laughs> Any mamas in here that I need to say this to? Is there... <laughs> <laughs> get that kid out of my house. Mommy and uh, kids got to leave the home and he's supposed to cling to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. And at that, that's how God initiated the very beginning with Adam and Eve. That's how it all started. So when you see how God did it, that's how he intended life to be. Why is my marriage blessed? Why is my relationship with Jamie blessed? Is because I put a ring on it. <laughs> I put a ring on that finger. Oh, yeah, man, I'm going for it, man. She's, she's a good-looking girl. She's, this is, I, I needed to hit that up fast. <laughs> so I did that, tight jeans and all. Oh, just hold on a sec, sir. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just gonna, I'll, do, I'll talk to you after. But I, I, I wanted this. And so what I did, you know, finding this whole thing out, we proposed. We got married, yeah, before people, but before God. And at that point, now sex is okay. God designed, sex is awesome. Three people raised their hands at me. Okay, this is, <laughs> I don't know what, what's, where you're from. But there, God set boundaries with it. Where is it good? Where is it exciting? It's exciting in marriage. The moment you pull it out of marriage, now it becomes destructive. Right? The same fire that you heat up your home with is the same fire that burned Kelowna, B.C. all last year. It's the same fire. What's the difference? One's contained in a boundary in parameters. The other is just a free-for-all. There's danger, and it's not that God's trying to stop you and I from having fun. He wants you to enjoy life. He said it. Have life in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. But I have to go with what he said. I have to go with the parameters that he laid out so that I can enjoy this life. Are we all seeing this? So it's not just the church setting up a bunch of rules and we're, we're so hard-headed people. And you know what? Here's the thing about it. Believers, we need to be a bit more narrow-minded. When it comes to the word, we are not open-minded to whatever you know everybody wants to say, to what anything religion wants to say. Jesus is the only way. He's the truth. He's the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through this man, Jesus. Going through the cross, receiving what he did, the forgiveness of sin. Now on the other end, woo, it's a party. I can enjoy life with them. This is the life that you and I are called to live in. But the moment, this is what the devil doing. He throws everything in there and he tries to normalize it. And as long as we believers go, oh yeah, it's okay. We're not doing anybody any help. We're not making any kind of impact. And again, you can take this on one end of the ditch and you could be just a hard-headed, that's so wrong and that's so wrong and you can't do that and nobody's going to listen to you. And on the other hand, you got this ditch and just go, oh, everything's okay. Do whatever you want to do and that's not okay. So there is truth and there's love and that keeps you in the center. It keeps you balanced so that we're not on one end of the ditch or the other. Speaking the truth and love that people may grow up into him. That's what Jesus is all about, right? Okay. Okay, again, that wasn't my message, but let's go. So now what is, now that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, if you've done that, what has happened, the Bible says, if you've transferred now out of the kingdom of darkness and you've been placed in the kingdom of his dear son, now what? Now, now what do I do in this life? I mean, okay, Jesus is now my Lord. Now it takes the time of rooting myself into what he tells me to get rooted in. 
Because chances are, if you came into the kingdom, no matter what age it could be, everybody comes from certain roots, certain foundations. Could be a cultural thing. Could be a family culture thing. It could be the country that you're from. It could be your, your ethnicity. It could be, you know, different thought patterns you had, the way you guys did business or whatever. It could be anything, your education or lack thereof. So many different roots. And God is telling us we need to get rerouted out of some of these things and get rooted in his love for us. This is the key. This is vital because any other foundation will not hold you when times get tough. No other foundation will not only that, but will lead you into fulfilling what God has called you to do. So this root is crucial. This root is the foundation that you and I have to make sure our lives are strongly connected and attached to so that we can go the distance with God. Hurrah, we okay? All right, perfect. So look again, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to just read you some of this prayer in verse 14. Ephesians is one of my favorite New Testament books. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about God's plan for humanity, what he did before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, excuse me, what Jesus did to fulfill the Father's plan while he was here on this earth. Ephesians chapter 3, the first verses leading up to this prayer, is talking about the Holy Spirit now revealing God's plan to you and I. Man, it's, it's wonderful. And then you read 4, 5, and 6, and he tells you how to live it out from the natural perspective. But all this is just beautiful. And so Paul, right here, you kind of just heard him talking about God's plan. You talk about what Jesus did for us. And now Ephesians chapter 3, you just heard what the Holy Spirit wants to show you, reveal to you. And then in verse 14, he says, when I think of all this, everything that God does, he says, I fall to my knees and I pray to who? The Father. I want you to remember he's a dad. He's a father. And if you look at it in, more in the Greek, it actually said he's the daddy of all daddies. This is what makes dads, any good dad that you see naturally, is because they saw it from him. He's the daddy of all daddies. Maybe you had a lousy dad growing up that doesn't change who our heavenly father is. He cares about you. He wants you to get rooted in his love because really, all the songs we sang this morning, it's, he's wild about you. This is what a dad is. You know, dads aren't the ones that are, you know, too cool to hug their sons or their daughters or too cool to say, you know, I, I love you, son. I said it to you once. I won't say it to you again. No, our father's not like that. He will smother you in kisses. You got to see that side of him. He'll come over like you see the prodigal son. What did he do when that prodigal came back? He wrapped his arms around him. I reenact that with my boys and I just, I lay it on him, man. Let's just... I love you, dudes. I love my boys. This is what our father is like. So he's not some stiff-armed, you know, you go to hug him and it's just, oh, that's nice. Yeah, thanks for the hug. Beat it. That's not who he is. He's kind. So he said, I'm praying to the father of all fathers. Verse 15. <clears throat> he says, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. Go with me, click. He says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. <laughs> Did you know that God is unlimited? Go back, guys. I didn't finish reading it. Unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then verse 17, he says, then Christ will make, I love those two words, his home in your hearts as you trust him. So how many of you have accepted Jesus as your Lord? I sure did that. What happened? Christ made his home in me. He's there. So where is he right now? The spirit of Jesus? He's right here. 
He made his home in me. Why? Because I trust him. And then this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to now help you that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So not only you can see, yeah, not only do I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, now Christ lives in me. Now, hey, look at this, he still wants to do something. He still wants you to get so rooted in how much he loves you that it will rock your world and change the way you think and live forever. <laughs> it says, then Christ, oh yeah, sorry, go verse 18. And then may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long. Now notice, this is how all God's people should know this. No, it doesn't say just a few says, all God's people should know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Verse 19 says, may you experience the love of Christ. Man, as a daddy, I'm just talking to you as a parent, do you want your kids to know that you love them? Absolutely. I want them to know it, but I want them to experience it. I want them to feel it, how much I love them. It's wild. I care about them, Right? Uh, they says, though it is too great to understand fully, he says, then, everybody say then, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Woo! This is it. So how do I experience the fullness of life? How am I going to experience all that God has for me? Let him love you. Let him take you deep. Don't just hang out three or four inches deep. Go as deep as you possibly can in understanding how much he loves you. And you do that really through meditating on how much he cares, what he's done for you. Man, there's been times just even during the worship service, I would just have tears in my eyes thinking the only reason that I'm doing this is because a man did this for me. He did this for me. I mean, without Jesus in here, what is all of this? <laughs> what are we even doing here? But because we come to celebrate a man, it, it just sometimes it overwhelms me just to go, man, you care about me. That's the foundation for this. Okay, look at this, John 15, 9, just what Jamie read this morning. In the Passion Bible, it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. He said, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. The same way that you need nourishment physically. you got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You need nourishment for your heart. What is the nourishment? It is the love that God has for you. So I wake up every day. God, you love me. Jesus loves me. we got a picture in our house. Jesus loves me. This I know. Man, I read that often. He, he loves me. I know it. He cares about me. Now, the reason, again, I'm just bringing this up, just touching on it, because any other root, any other foundation, it will cause you to stumble. Okay, and I'm gonna, I have a little illustration I wanna just show you. Okay, let's say for example, okay, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are, you're a child of God, you're on your way to heaven, but your foundation is still in your bank account. My root is still in money. My root is still in, you know, how much X amount of dollars that I have in my bank and then I'm secure. So what happens in life is now how I see life, how I think of life, how I view life is through the lens of the root that I'm in. So what am I rooted in right now? Money. So guess what? Every time, you know, God tells me, hey, I want you to branch out and step out and do this. What am I going to view that through? Can I afford that? All of a sudden God says, hey, I, you know, I want you to be a blessing to so-and-so. Why don't you pay their, pay, you know, this month's rent for them? Ooh, that's a little steep, God. I, 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 don't, I don't know, right? Hey, why don't you give that waiter uh, you know, a bigger tip? They're going through a little bit of time. Ooh. 
Ah, God, you know what? I, I'm, money, what do you say? Sorry, God, money said no. I, I just can't make it happen. So do you see what's happening? You're being held back by your root. So now this root is holding me back from fulfilling everything that God's called me to do. Can you see that? I can't see anybody with these glasses on, so I hope you all just didn't leave. But <laughs> is, that, is, is the money filter. Secondly now, I'm just going to get cooler as we go on, all right? I'm just, just warning you. So this one now is looking at what other people think. So, <laughs> how are you doing? I can see you now. <laughs> Actually, it's a good blinder for the lights. But if this is my filter on how people view, hey, I want you to go and I want you to Oh, that's not cool. In high school, while everybody's talking trash and saying the way they want to do, you high school students. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, you know, I got a really good friend group. I'm going to just, you know, I'll win them over soon. Meanwhile, you're rooted in this. I'm viewing at how people view me. Well, no, I can't do that, God, because if this goes, then <laughs> I don't really know what else I got. And plus, you know, I'm really cool and popular right now. And, you know, I can draw people into you. Meanwhile, you're doing no effect. You're just, you're just talking fluff, man. There ain't nothing there. All right, what are we doing? We're rooted in this. What are we thinking about? I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about how things will look if I step out and do something. Thirdly, then, oh, this is my back pocket. This is just, again, the big one did just be with the elections coming up. We're looking at government. All right, I'm so into politics. I'm so into, you know, everything that, you know, government says that they're going to do. I'm rooted in this. If the conservatives don't get in, I'm in big trouble. If the real liberals don't get in, I'm in big trouble. We have this mindset that people are going to take care of us. And the psalmist in Psalm 118 has said, it's better to put your trust in God than it is to put your trust in this, in this translation as princes or government officials. We look to them to fix all these needs. Man, I've been in places, you know, Red Deer's kind of a, you know, basically a safe bubble. I mean, you see a few things here and there, but you get to some others, these big cities, you know, Jamie and I were in New York a few years ago. You see the reliance that is on government is ridiculous. It is wild. And God doesn't want you to be rooted in what other people can do for you. Well, I'm expecting this person to do this. And I'm expecting mama to do this. And I'm expecting great grandma to do this. Your expectation is wrong. This is one thing that I'm continuing to learn is that I'm to have no expectations from anybody but to be thankful for everything. But when it comes to God, I expect everything. And I'm thankful for everything. But when it comes to people, I don't expect anything. Why? Then I'll never be disappointed. Right? And that's not wrong. It's wrong for me to put expectations on my wife. Wife, please me. Be nicer to me. Speak better. Respect me, woman. <laughs> I'm putting these demands and I'm rooted in this that she, she's going to make my life good or not. And if she don't do it, man, she's in big trouble with me. Hey, you know what's happening? I'm rooted in the wrong spot. Because what's going to happen is she's not going to show me that respect when I treat her like this. So we're just going to go into this downward spiral. I said, thank you very much. I'm taking myself off of that. I don't want this. Lastly, then, is to get rooted in God's love for me. Now, when I put these on, he loves me. I love you. Hey, Man, it's so good to see you. It becomes about people. 
Then I know God loves me. So when somebody says something like, you got tight pants on, I don't go, oh, I do my best. My wife liked them. <laughs> he loves me. He loves me. Well, this happened to get fired from my job. With these on, Father, you love me. You have a plan. You knew this was coming. Lord, what, what, what's my next step here? It's a place of, ah, nourish. My heart is being nourished throughout the day because he loves me, not this striving to make something happen. How am I going to get this? How are my kids going to understand that? How am I going to get to that next level? He loves me. And because he loves me, he's going to lead me. You know, a big one for me was always figure, okay, oh God, I want to fulfill what you called me to do. And you can get so fearful in that, that actually you're not focusing on the love of God. You're rooted in, okay, I got to get, you know, I got to get God's will done. I got to accomplish what he asked me to do. Good intentions, wrong root. The root's supposed to be, he loves me. And because he loves me, he's going to lead me through every step of the way. I ain't going to freak out with it. God, if you don't lead me, then your job ain't going to get done. And that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> they have nothing to do with me. If you don't pay for those properties, it ain't my fault. You asked us to do it. You pay for it. Can you see the rest that's in there? Rather than me, okay, God told us to do it. How do I make this work? How do I make this work? Chill. Like, take your chill pill. Do you know what you think about this? The only time we get people worked out is when you tell them to chill. You ever notice that? Yeah, husbands, you ever said that to your wife before? Woo, son, I tell you, that did not work. Was it you that said that to me one time? I want you to... Oh, I said it to you. My bad. Oh, she was getting worked up about something weird. And I was just like... <laughs> I'm like, Jamie, here, take this. It's one chill pill. Oh, wait, no. I got Because I, I didn't just get in trouble. I, I'm not stupid, guys. Like, I, I pinned her down. Then he just makes a joke out of it. I pinned her down and I said, oh, here, sweetie, you forgot to take your chill pill this morning. Here you go. So she took it and then started up right away. <laughs> so I had to go searching for it. Where is that pill? Where is that pill? Oh, there it is. Woman, get back here. <laughs> but that's the place we're supposed to be resting in is in just this chill state. He loves me. And when you're rooted in that, there is no fear of anything. Why? Because he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Now I'm going to just read you a couple of verses you know, first John chapter four, 16. So I'm supposed to be rooted in this love. And first John four, 16, it says, we know, everybody say no. So there's a knowing that's involved in this. It's a, not just a head knowledge. It's a deep understanding. I know how much he loves me. And now I've also put my trust in his love. So I think that there's this, there's like kind of what Jamie said, there's this striving that we go for this striving to rest. I know how much he loves me and I'm going to trust his love for me. So when he tells me to step out and do something that's uncomfortable, that is against maybe what I was thinking or what I had planned on doing, I'm going to trust his love for me that he's going to make the way. It's our job to obey. It's his, I mean, just if you think about it, my job is to jump. It's his job to put the ground there. I don't lay all this stuff down. I don't, okay, God, I'm going to just build from here. And another two point four, I'm just going to build that over here. Okay, it looks safe now. Oh, and then you crumble. No, my job is to simply trust his love. So he says, jump. I jump. That's it. It's his job to make sure I land. 
Uh, There's a salmon swimming upstream. That's why I did that. (laughs) So we know how much God loves us. And then we put our trust in his love. I put it in there. And it says God is love. It's who he is. He doesn't have love. He is love. And I love that word is. That means it's present tense. God is present tense love. Love is a person. It's God. It's who he is. So when you want to see what love looks like, you got to see what God looks like. I encourage you, if you go through 1 John, interchange the words love and God. God is love. Love is love. (laughs) This is who he is. Every time he speaks, he speaks from love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So let me just show you a couple verses now. This is the part of we know. Uh, Go to Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to just, while you're turning there, I want to give you an example. Um, We must know how much he loves us, and we put our trust in his love. In Mark chapter 4, and verse, you know, 35 through 40, this is just giving an illustration, an example of when Jesus told his disciples after they fed a multitude, he said, let's cross over to the other side. So the disciples started going, and what happens is they met some, they met a huge storm, was just came raging up. And what was Jesus doing? He's fast asleep, right, in the back of the boat. The disciples, they're freaking out. They're yelling. They're screaming. And they just, you know, bah! And finally, they wake up Jesus. And do you have it? Oh, yeah, there it is. Teacher, don't you care? And this phrasing has gone on in the church world long enough. It's got to stop here with us. Don't you care? That's the very reason why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So let me encourage you, get those words out of your vocabulary. Don't you care, God? Are you kidding me? He cares. He cares so much, he gave you Jesus. So can I encourage you, don't you care? Throw it out. Does he care? Absolutely he cares. He cares so much that he gave you Jesus. He gave you the most precious thing he had. But you can see the disciples at this moment, they knew maybe that God loved them, but there's no trust in his love. Don't you care that we're all going to drown? Don't you care that my babies are going through this? Don't you care that society is going through this? Don't you care, God, that this is always what's happening? Are you kidding me? Can you see what God's heart in heaven is, what it's looking like when he sees some of the stuff going on? It breaks his heart. Of course he cares. Remember, God's in the people business. God's not withholding anything. He can't get in. Remember, we kicked him out of the schools. Remember, we kicked him out of politics. We kicked him out of a lot of other different places and going, what's wrong with the world? It's because you left him out. How come my life is all in it, you know, all going over the place? It's because you kicked him out. Get him back in. Allow him in. Because Jesus is a gentleman. He will never barge in and say, you need to fix all this. He wants to show you the way of life, but he's got to be invited in. Me and my wife will never have a divorce. Do you want to know why? Because Jesus cares about me. And I know if he cares about me, I'll take care of my wife. Rather than, my, come on, Jamie, you fix this. Like, come on, don't you care about me, girl? That's not even a question. He cares about me. And I know he cares, so my job is to love her like Christ loved the church. That is it. That's the foundation. She knows that he, Jesus cares for her so she can respect me, honor me, value me. 
See, we tried all these things. Okay, I got to love her. I got to love her. Oh, man, this is tough. Like, she really asked for a lot. I'm like, this is, this is a lot of work. But this is the mindset that you can have, and it becomes a natural thing, not realizing and having my root on, God loves me, I'm going to love her. Do you see my root? This is where it all begins. Okay, so don't you care I'm throwing that out. So Romans chapter 5, verse 11 through 60. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. You okay this morning? I'm going to give you some Bible now. Romans 5:11, and this is again for you and I to know the love of God. And I encourage you if you're kind of if you're struggling this morning, or you could say, "Oh yeah, God loves you," to anybody across, but you have a hard time believing it for yourself. This is the great place to start. He says, and even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. Click. Do you guys have it? Nope. Sorry, everyone. Let me just, uh, I'm going to pull it up on my Bible app. <clears throat> I was off to a good start. Uh, loading. Um, Romans? Five? I got it here. Thank you. Up. <laughs> they ask you the crazy question. I want you to see it, though, because it's something that you can hear. So if you've got your iPads or your phones or something, pull it up. Oh, cool. Thank you. All right. It says, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Wait, hold on a sec, guys. Am I giving you the right verses? I'm not giving you the right verses. Can you guys? It's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Oh, that's why. I, I see what I did there. Sorry, that's my fault. Everyone, it was me. Not back there. It's my fault. It was my fault. This hope, you figured. <laughs> we'll talk about this later, Jamie. <laughs> God loves me, but that's not the way we talk to each other. Okay, first five. <laughs> Says this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Just our hope in, in what Jesus would do. Because we can now experience, everybody say now. I can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, a lot of times you can read this translation. A lot of times I've heard it that the Holy Spirit, yeah, he comes in. So now the love of God lives in me. That's absolutely true. The love of God is in me to love you with. But if you read it and kind of do more research in it, it's also there that the Holy Spirit can continually cascade God's love from the Father directly to you on a regular basis. He wants you not just to be, okay, love like God. Yeah, that's true. But how can you do that if you've never experienced it? God would never tell you to do something that he doesn't provide it for. So if you've never experienced the love of God, this is where it all begins, is the Holy Spirit just cascading himself all over and in you. Okay, verse 6. It says, for when the time was right. Now this is the part of the way that the Holy Spirit's going to show you he loves you. When the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us, let's answer this question, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? Who would dare die for Adolf Hitler? Anybody in this room would say, I would take a bullet for Adolf Hitler. Nope. Not a chance. 
Okay, well, what, we can all understand if somebody was willing to die for a noble person. How about Martin Luther King Jr.? Oh, yeah, maybe. I'd do that. But I'm unwilling to take it for, you know, a you know, punk like that. Verse 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place, by dying in Hitler's place. I'm just using that as an illustration for you to see it. In Hitler's place while we were still lost and ungodly. Ha. Our minds can't even fathom that. He deserves everything that he's going to get. That's not how God saw it. So can you see when you're rooted in the love of God, it will change the way we view culture. Let me Amazing things, but there's some that you cannot reach or speak into a culture that you criticize. All these people in their whacked out minds. Yeah, it's whacked out. Do you know why it's whacked out? Because the devil got in and started giving some different thoughts and mindsets. So the only way that we as a church family can make an impact in this city, yeah, we can put on some cute events and come have a hot dog and all that kind of jazz. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the real impact is, is when we collectively are rooted in the love that God has for us and we're not, you know, oh, somebody took my parking spot. Get over it. I don't know how else to say it, that get your love glasses on, let that change you rather than you know, whatever it is, thinking about me. That's my spot. This is my seat. Why is the music that loud? Why is there no crepes? <laughs> Can you see where the root is? It ain't in the love of God. Why does the temperature have to be that hot in here? That's the question that I want to know. I'm sweating. <laughs> but when we have these love glasses on, when we're rooted in the love that God has for us, we can make the greatest impact that this city has yet to see. What are we here proclaiming? We're not here proclaiming Impact Life Church. We're here proclaiming a Jesus, a King, a Savior, a, a man, the God of all gods. This is who he is. This is what he can do, and he can change your life. But it only comes when we're rooted and grounded in this love. Oh, I want to witness. I want to witness. Are you rooted properly? Because it just will flow out of you. I don't have to work up this, the energy to talk to somebody in Walmart. Oh, man, I, I don't know. He looks pretty big. What if he hurts me? That's gone because love controls. This is what Paul said. He said the love of Christ controls us. How does it control me? Because I'm rooted in it. Oh, man, I'm getting answers for myself, so you're, I'm hearing it. Christ proved God's passion and love for dying for us while we're in our place while we're still lost and ungodly. Verse 9. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus... We have heard, now I want to, we have heard something. When Christ spilt his blood, it was not just blood coming out, he was saying something. His blood was speaking something. What's it saying? You are now right in my sight. It's more than just blood coming out of the man. When God saw the blood, God saw Jesus proclaiming something. God was saying something with blood. You're right. You're right with me now. Why? Because I put it all on Jesus. Whoo! It's what he does. It's who he is. He says, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never, oh, somebody say never. I will never experience the wrath of God. I will never experience it. Not in this life, not in the life to come. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm now righteous in his sight. Ha! Ah. No more penalty. <laughs> no more penalty. 
Maybe you've sinned before and you've had a, you had a horrible past. The way he sees you is now you are not righteous in my sight. You will not experience the wrath of God. That's good news. Verse 10 says, so if we were still his enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? This is why he came to do so that you and I get out of this sin because it ain't working. That's why I brought up just the common law before. It's not working. It's not that God's trying to stop you. It's not working. It doesn't work. God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's not ready to beat you. He's just saying, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Because it's not his way. That's why homosexuality, it doesn't work. He's not trying to take your fun away. He's saying because he loves you. He's trying to rescue you. It doesn't work. It's not working this way. So when we're rooted in this love, rather than getting angry at society, I have this deep welling compassion going, they, they don't see it. God, and so rather than now condemning, Lord, I lift them up in prayer to you. Father, I ask that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And I go talking to people with the expectation that their eyes are opened. Why? Because I've been praying it. Do I believe it? Yeah. Sure I do. Man. So, um, uh, hello. So while we were still, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater came. Now that we are at peace with God, did I read all that? How much war will be rescued? Yes, I did. Verse 11. Thank you, guys. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ, all because of him. Now, Romans chapter 8, this is the last few verses I'm going to read. Everybody doing okay? Okay. Verse 31, it says, so what does all this mean? <laughs> if God has determined, if I say determined, if God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? Who's going to stand against you? Nobody. 32. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. <laughs> Did you just hear that? Heaven is an open door. You're not praying for heaven to get open. It's open, baby. It's wide open. What do you need? You take it saying, I believe it, it's mine. The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you get anything that heaven has to offer. Woo, simple. But it comes from knowing it, believing it, and trusting it. Verse 33. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be his? Who? No one. Why? Because God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over us saying what? Come on, what does God say? Not guilty. He looks at me and says, not guilty. Hallelujah. Oh, but I messed up last night. He still says, not guilty. This is not about behavior modification. This is about you and I seeing who he made us to be and now living that way rather than trying to live up to this not guilty place. No, I'm not guilty right now. Moving forward, I'm not guilty. Oh man, that changes everything. Verse 34. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? What is Jesus doing to this day? He's praying for you. 
He's praying for you, for your what? That you would be a conqueror in everything that you do. He is holding you up. He's already made you one. Now he's praying that the details get worked out in your life. That's what he's doing. Booyah. 35. It says, who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely. Come on, say it again. Absolutely. No one can separate me from it. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. So what we look at the devil, we go, bring it on. You know, one time, I'll just quickly add this. One time I was, uh, I was here alone. This was a few years ago. And uh, there was a man that was possessed by a demon, came running into this building. And he looked at me and said, my Lord told me to come here to kill you. So I laughed. <laughs> Went, oh, interesting. Sit down, let's have a coffee. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I just started talking about the Lord. And the moment that I started talking to him about what the blood of Jesus can do for you, his eyes went black. He grabbed me by the throat and he started squeezing. And my first reaction is to beat the snot out of this guy. I'm ready just to pulverize him. And all of a sudden, just before I was ready to do just this, oh, this weird, honestly, this peace that passes understanding came over me. And I looked at him and said, in Jesus name, very calmly, you cannot touch me. He fell down on his knees and started bawling his face off. I went, hmm, Let's continue talking. So we continued talking a little bit. Then we started going out to, you know, back door. And back then that was our youth entrance. And then we were using, you know, two by fours to hold the doors open in the winter because it, it was freezing. And uh, so we got these. And all of a sudden I started talking again about the blood of Jesus. And again, his eyes went black. He picked up this two by four and he started swinging it a bit. I mean, I went like one of them. He started going at me. And all of a sudden, again, the same piece. And I'm just like, I would love to beat the tar out of this guy. Like, nobody's witnessing. I could just go to town and say, well, I don't know what happened. Must have got it happened, you know, at the mustard seed over there. I didn't do it. <laughs> no witnesses. That's exactly what we want, right? No witnesses. But anyways, this, all, this peace came on me again. And all of a sudden, just a very calmly, in the name of Jesus, you can't touch me. He dropped the two by four, ran out of the building. I went, huh. And then all of a sudden, this was a little bit later that day, I just bawled my face off, not realizing, because I mean, all of a sudden it, it hits you what just took place and you, oh, what, what just happened? Complete protection. And rather than freaking out and losing it, I was just rooted in his love. You can't touch me. And I'd look at, you know, the gospels and you see a few accounts when Jesus was trying to get killed, they walked right through them and they couldn't find them. Now you'd have to be really stupid or Jesus just really, you couldn't find them. He just walked through them. Untouched. Why? Because he was rooted in love. Anyway, sorry. Last. For um, go back there, guys, for a sec. Um, what about no? They are all impotent. Yeah. Sorry. Next verse, thirty-six. Even though it is written all day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and has His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. 38, so now I live. Everybody say, I live. If you want to know how Paul was so affected, so effective in his life, it's right here. I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe that with the power to separate me from God's love. He says, I am convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, talk about demon activity. His love will triumph over that. 
or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. No matter who gets elected this week, it will not phase us. Come on, somebody. We need to believe that. Now, it doesn't mean it's just whatever happens. No, you vote who God tells you to vote for. Spend time you see God. But whoever gets elected in, it's not going to move me. Why? Because he loves me. No government can wreck his love for me. Are you kidding me? 39. There is no power above us. There's no power beneath us. No power that could ever be found. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.